Hello and welcome to another episode of the Hope Mindfulness Compassion Show. My name is Paula Garrigan and I look after the mindfulness program here at Hope. Hi, my name is Sophie and I'm one of the counsellors here at Hope. Lovely to have you on the podcast, Sophie. This is your first one, but you've done podcasts elsewhere, haven't you? Yes, yes I have. So the topic that, you, that we decided you talk about was it's, it's okay not to be okay? Exactly. Yeah. Okay, could you tell me what that actually means? Um... It's a good question because as, as we were just walking down here, I was thinking, well, what does it even mean to be okay? Um, and I think a lot of people expect a lot from themselves to be stable, to not express their emotions to the full um, because it's socially inappropriate. Um, but the reality is, particularly in this setting, um, we or at least um, those in recovery, you know, we have a disease, which means we are not at ease with ourselves. And that goes hand in hand with not being okay. Um, I'd say quite a lot of the time in my own experience. Um, and a big part of early recovery and ongoing recovery has certainly been learning how to manage my expectations of myself and understanding that it's okay not to be okay. And where do these ideas about, you know, what okay is, like what it, what it sort of, um, where, where does the, the, the kind of, um, the criteria come from? Like how do people get, like, you know, why do we decide that we're okay or not okay? Like what sort of criteria do we tend to be using? I'd say those criteria come from all angles, um, pretty much from the moment that we're born. Our families will dictate what emotions are okay to express or not express. Our friends will be gained or lost, depending on how well we manage that. Um, I even think from films, TV, and particularly social media now, uh, there's such a presentation of everything being glorious. Um, and it's just not realistic, it's not achievable, and it's not sustainable, which sort of leads me to a personal theory that I have, which is so many people seem to be striving for happiness. Um, and I, I believe that people are equating that happiness actually with joy, mm. and joy is not sustainable. Um, therefore, certainly in my own recovery, why I strive to achieve is contentment, which I think is the ability to take the highs with the lows and still feel um, on an even keel. And then when I feel happiness or joy, you know, that's an exceptional day. Yeah. Um, yeah, I know it's... It's kind of strange because what I was thinking of there, you know, obviously, I mean, it must be that our criteria about what good is must change from the time people are in active addiction mm. until they, um, until they get in, go into this kind of new life. So would you say then that maybe the part of the problem is that people have got expectations of themselves are just way too high. Oh, Consider, Considering what these kind of come from. Yeah, absolutely. And I think another factor in that is we have been numbing ourselves, well, I was certainly numbing myself, um, for most of my formative years. And so I didn't even realise what kind of person I was. Um, so when I got sober, obviously... I hope that I'm going to be this amazing, wonderful, sober, enlightening person that's going to just bring joy throughout the world. 
Um, and in reality, I had a whole bag of defects which had been suppressed. Yeah. Um, or at least been able to deny to myself that I had. And, and they're defects that absolutely everybody has. There's no human being on earth that um, doesn't come with their own luggage. Um, and then that's part of the ongoing challenge is to keep uh, working with those defects. I wouldn't say get rid of them. I think it's impossible to get rid of them, mm. but to work with and manage them. Because, I mean, it, it does seem, seem quite extreme that, you know, the, our, our expect, you know, the expectations of people in, say, an act of addiction, mm. they can be uh, pretty low, you know, in regards to kind of performance-wise and kind of, you know, living up to certain standards. They can be pretty low, but then suddenly they're gone, it can seem that people just go to the completely opposite extreme. That, you know, instead of being now, now they have to be the kind of, you know, the, the, the goodest person almost on the planet. And it just seems kind of really really unrealistic and to kind of judge themselves by their, 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 those standards. Absolutely. You know, my head went there when you're talking um, that's not expecting themselves to be perfect. I actually thought the expectations we have on other people as well. Mm. Um, a lot of my upset will come from when someone else isn't doing something yes. to the standard that I expect. Um, and I think, you know, when we look at the Enneagrams here, that's a very classic type one Um and, and, and a lot of addicts fit into that category where we just set such high expectations for ourselves, for others, more on a moral plane than actually um, the day-to-day nitty-gritty life. It's, um, yeah, how one plays out their life. I, I've noticed that as well, actually. What, what I noticed is, uh, you'll often, often see this with clients, is that, you know, in the past they may have been the kind of black sheep, mm. but now suddenly they're kind of judging all of their their friends and family to this kind of impossibly high standard. <laughs> that just, but you know, obviously they're doing that. That's just a sign of doing that to themselves as well. Um, what, what do you think then? The like, what's the problem with 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 with, uh, with this? Like, why why is it a bad thing that people have such bad such high expectations? Um, I don't think it's it's a problem to have high aspirations, and indeed, I think part of recovery is striving to improve yourself. Um, to be the best version of yourself that you are capable of being. Mm. Uh, the problem arises when we see a, a lack in ourselves and then start to underestimate how much we have achieved. I mean, every breath that we take sober and clean is an achievement. Mm. Um, and start picking apart your personality or anything external to that, um, it's clearly detrimental to recover on the whole. Um, and I'd say I've seen a lot of people punish themselves and then go backwards in recovery and, um, and create, and it can feed all these negative core beliefs as well. Um, you know, that'll never amount to anything. I'm just a horrible human being fulfilling all those beliefs that we've probably generated in our addiction and say, I'm just still the same person. Um, and that can be further from the truth. You actually have a lot more. Uh, empowerment and recovery to make that change. Well, you, you know, you hear people say like this idea of they need to fake it till they make it. Ooh. Could could that not be used to to kind of serve the dark side almost? That people say, well, yeah, I can't, you know, I can't be okay with with, with being not okay. That I have to kind of fake it and I have to pretend that everything's great. Um. I'm not a huge fan of that saying. I said it for a long time um, mm-hmm. because I understand the sentiment in which it's used. So what's the sentiment? What, what, what's the, the, the good sentiment? Um, 
Well, the, the preferred line that I now take is feel the fear and do it anyway. Right. You know, feeling the fear is okay. That is human. That's natural. And when we are challenging ourselves and growing, growing is painful. Growing is un, um, uncomfortable and when we change, we're not going to like it. So fear is absolutely to be expected, but that should not stop you. Mm. Um, and, and, and when we do try and if we do fail, that's just learning. Yeah. I mean, I suppose somebody might, might wonder, you know, that like, what's the difference between, you know, admitting that you're not okay and just are, are being negative? Or is there a difference? I think if you approach that question, um, first of all, find the right person to share it with. Mm. Um, ideally, if you're in recovery, someone else in recovery, because they are more likely to turn around and say, me too. Um, they, our brains tick in the same way. Um, I know there's a lot of science behind that. I just prefer to focus on the connection between two adults. Um, it's very, very powerful. So it's, it's the context in which you're saying it. Um, and the intention as to why you're saying it. Are you saying it to explore why you're feeling those feelings and mm. make a change and either to sit with them, if that's what's healthy for you, or to progress out of it, or to take some action? Or are you just hoping to get a pat on the back and some sympathy, you know, and yeah. someone, to, someone to fix it for you? Um, so it's definitely, it depends entirely on the intention that you have behind sharing it. So, so, you, so you say then, yeah, you know, like when you're not okay, you do need to let that be known. But you know, I suppose you can be kind of, um, you can be cautious about who you let it be known to. Absolutely, absolutely. The whole world doesn't have to know. Yeah. Um, and I think that's why it's vitally important that we go through our friends and work out who those people are that are able to mm. sit and listen um, and also recognise that people are busy you know now might not be the time yeah. to be to unburden um, your deepest darkest fears uh, but even even making a phone call and saying can we set aside some time mm. I mean is there is there any any benefit in kind of putting a good face on things like our you know, like pretending things are okay. Is, is there ever a benefit in doing that? Um, yes, I think, and I, uh, I hesitate to answer this because so much of my life I have put a face on the reality. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, I, I'd be like to say this isn't still a learning process for myself. Um, but I think it comes back to what I just said about picking the right person to share it with you know if not in a situation where it's appropriate to be in floods of tears or whatever yeah kind of there may, there may be a time place where you do have to suck it up for a while but again i'm thinking here if they play like people like in their job that they may not want yeah. to be oversharing at their job or exactly and, and same sort of reason why um i was always told by my sponsor not to share your story until you've done your step five because there are things that are going to come out that you might not want the whole world knowing um, and similarly you might feel very emotional at a certain point and share it with someone but then on reflection when you feel a bit more even keeled um, reg regret mm -hmm. oversharing in certain yeah. circumstances but I think if one does 
um, suppress feelings, let it only be temporary. Yeah, then seek out a meeting, seek out the sponsor, seek out a friend um, who is able to listen. It should never be... So as long as someone listens, as long as someone, someone is going to interview. Yeah, and as soon as possible. Just yeah. never never uh, shut that box and chain it up. Yeah. Because I suppose, I mean, like, always being negative can be kind of, kind of case building, that, you're kind of build, that people are building a case to relapse, but so could the opposite. So could not saying anything. That could be another form of case building, couldn't it? With just people, with people kind of bottling up their complaints, it can be another way of kind of uh, allowing themselves to hit a mm-hmm. hit a breaking point at the end of relapsing, I suppose. Well, it's that classic line: "Secrets keep you sick." Yeah. Um, I think anything negative that isn't shared just festers. Mm-hmm. In turn, and, and you can always feel it festering. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so that's how resentments build, or there's all sorts of negative comes out of that, but. Um, Similarly, the oversharing and building the case, as you were just saying. Mm. Um, I've certainly gone about trying to confirm core beliefs by, you know, asking 20 people and just waiting for that one response uh, that I wanted to hear that confirms what I thought all along. Um, Which very well might not not be that bad. Is there a difference between... um not being okay in the sense that, you know, people are having a bad day and something more, kind of more deeper going on. Like, like people can just have a bad day, can't they? They just kind of wake up on the, on the, bad, on the wrong side of the bed or whatever. Mm. I mean, how do, how do you differentiate between that and something kind of more, more significant that really needs to be dealt with? Because obviously someone's just having a, having a bad day, like they're, you woke up late or something. Mm-hmm. That's very, very different than, you know, something really festering. And how would a person kind of differentiate between those two? Um, in addition to the tools I've mentioned earlier, um, having other people holding you accountable, I'd really recommend keeping a diary, um, doing inventories, checking in when I felt this, what have I done, what have I done today? Um, and just making it a practice to make time for that self-reflection. Because it can be invaluable when you spot patterns in your own thinking behaviour. Um, and that could be places that you go to, it could be acquaintances that you meet up with once every couple of weeks, and you're like, oh, why do I always feel miserable on a Sunday night? It's because you've been hanging out with the wrong people. Um, but yeah, if you can spot any patterns like that, it can be really, really helpful. And could keeping a diary almost be, you know, if you don't have a chance to speak to somebody, could keeping a diary be, you know, a, another outlet, another way of kind of, um, of kind of getting this stuff out, outside of their head? Absolutely. Mm. Absolutely. Um, and, it, and it can be a good start as well for people who fear what might be said back. Yeah. Because your diary can't talk back. Um, another aspect of that is, I do you need that feedback? Do you think that, that, that feedback is, uh, is always crucial, that you need someone to, to answer you back? Or does it depend on the situation? Oh, it depends who you're talking to. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say most of the time, though, it is, it is pretty important to get feedback. Um, because we can't trust... Well, an addict can't trust their own head. Yeah. I certainly couldn't trust mine. Um, another aspect of writing a diary that I just remembered is sometimes I can I can highlight a red flag for me 
because I'll come to write my diary and actually struggle, like, I'll think a sentence and then struggle to actually write it because I know that whatever I'm thinking or believing or planning on doing isn't right. And it, it's quite, it's a big signal to me that like, I don't want to put it down into words because it's confirming something that I know isn't quite true or just doesn't ring right. Um, so it stands out on the page, do you kind of thing? Well, I can't get it down. Yeah. Because, <laughs> because it's just, yeah, I know I'm sort of almost lying to myself. But, um, but and, and there's something about either typing or handwriting, uh, it really lodges it in your brain when you write a certain word again and again. Mm-hmm. You'll notice. So if you're always, I was really scared, or this really upset me, um, never mind. You know, I, I, yeah, definitely notice words like that popping up. Well, why? Why am I dismissing this? Why is that making me frightened? I'm going to really put you on the spot again. <laughs> And ask you, <laughs> is there is there any off the top of your head? Is there any resources or any you know anything that you can kind of recommend people can kind of turn to in regards to this kind of you know being okay with not being okay? Is there any kind of books or you know any anything like that that would uh, or anything that, that you found helpful in regards to kind of uh, understanding this? So where did a lot of your ideas of this come from? Like, obviously, have your ideas about all this change over the years? Um, certainly, as I, as I mentioned before, you know, it's something that I struggle with massively. Um, I was very fortunate enough to go through myself, which sort of opened my mind to feeling the more negative or what we deem as negative mm. um, emotions and feelings. Um, and I think a huge influence on me has actually been um, operating within a fellowship where honesty is paramount. And people show up, and when, when you ask how are you feeling, people actually tell you how they're feeling, which at first was alarming. You know, I wanted you to tell me that you're fine. I don't know what to do with this information. And actually learning how to receive someone's honesty was a big lesson. Um, it's yeah, like you can learn by doing Absolutely, absolutely. Um, and there are so many podcasts, um, whether that's by therapists or philosophers or um, particularly long-form podcasts. Um, I find so very, what do you mean long-form? Uh, so when, uh, they'll interview people for up to an hour, oh, two hours okay, at a yeah. time, yeah. Um, to really get in depth. Uh, I've just started listening to Brené Brown. Uh, oh, she, okay. she started a podcast two weeks ago. Um and yeah, I don't, I don't know. You can talk about it mm. so much and listen to it. I think until you do it, but it's doing it. Yeah. Is there any any final advice or anything that you could start to sum it up or anything? Anything you feel you've left unsaid? Anything you wish I'd asked? <laughs> um. I don't think I have anything in particular. Just take a risk and share it with someone. Um, I have so many examples over the years of times where I've taken that risk, sat down with someone, and I, I hate this about myself, but when this happens, I do this, or I feel this, and I don't know why I'm doing it. 
And then my son said, looked me dead in the eye and said, oh my goodness, me too. And it's like taking the lid off the kettle and just the steam coming out. It, it, we're not as bad as we think we are. Yeah. So much of the time. It's been a pleasure. Thanks very much. We have to do this again. <laughs> I'd love to. I'll give you more warning next time. Thank you.